today on the Tearsheet Podcast. So it started as just, um, you know, something for Fidelity itself. What we found was every financial institution and every data aggregator, every FinTech was facing the same problem. So it, it really is not a one company problem. It's actually a network problem. It's an industry problem. Mm-hmm. So we flipped a COIA into a, into a model to serve the entire financial industry. So we said a network problem needs a network answer. And that's, that's what we we're developing on the COIA. Welcome to the Tearsheet Podcast. I'm Tearsheet Editor-in-Chief, Zach Miller. My guest today is Stuart Rubenstein, CEO of Acoya. A spin-out of Fidelity, Acoya is a financial data aggregator that lets the customers of financial institutions grant and revoke third-party access to their financial data safely. Acoya facilitates this access and eliminates the need for consumers to share their user IDs and passwords. Stuart talks about Acoya's roots and how he's been thinking about data aggregation for years. He discusses the need for APIs to move beyond the era of screen scraping. Rubenstein also shares his view of open finance and Akoya's future. Stuart Rubenstein is my guest today on the Tearsheet Podcast. Hi, Zach, and thanks for having me today. I'm Stuart Rubenstein. I'm the CEO of Akoya. Akoya has created a data access network. Um, I've been in digital financial services since the mid-90s for uh, before Akoya for firms like Fidelity Investments, TD Ameritrade, and Goldman Sachs. And uh, thank you for joining us. I, I've looked forward to, to speaking to you. I've been watching uh, Akoya grow. Um, can you tell us maybe the genesis story of Akoya? And I'd love to hear how your previous experience working in finance sort of informs uh, this new-ish role for you. Sure. Actually, I've been thinking about data aggregation going back you know, to the 90s and, and early 2000s. In the 90s, um, I worked for an asset manager, which was owned by um, Mellon Bank. And I was actually at the first meeting where um, Intuit um, told the banks that they were going to um, start downloading bank data in, into Quicken. So that was the first attempt to take financial data and bring it into, bring it into an app. Mm-hmm. Fast forward, and what, what started um, as kind of a, a, a connection, which we now know as OFX, um, turned into turned into screen scraping. Um, Akoya started as a way to move a, move away from screen scraping, and actually started at Fidelity Investments as a way for Fidelity just to build its own API application programming interface and move um, clients who wanted to provide access to their data to third party apps, um, provide them a way to do that without having to share their credentials. So it started as just um, you know something for Fidelity itself. What we found was every financial institution and every data aggregator, every fintech was facing the same problem. So it, it really is not a one company problem. It's actually a network problem. It's an industry problem. Mm-hmm. So we flipped Akoya into a, into a model to serve the entire financial industry. So we said a network problem needs a network answer. And that's, that's what we were developing on Akoya. And so was Akoya completely spun out of Fidelity? Yes, back in February, um, uh, 11 banks invested um, into Akoya alongside Fidelity. So there were 12 financial institutions plus the Clearinghouse, um, which is another consortium of banks. 
mm-hmm. um, they um, they all bought in. So all those financial institutions are now equal owners of Acquia, which operates independently from all of them. Wow, that's a lot of uh, powerful, influential institutions sitting around the table. How, how does how does that impact, I guess, product development or or strategy? Um, those institutions all sit on on the board of directors um, for Acquia. So you know, we do present to the board like any other you know um, company um, might. But we operate independently, so it's management's responsibility to develop the products that meet the needs of our clients. And our clients are on all sides of the issue. They are financial institutions with banks, brokerage firms, insurance company, mutual fund companies, retirement plan record keepers. They are data aggregators who um, have downstream clients that are financial apps that need access to data, or they're large fintechs themselves who uh, want to come to us directly. Got it. Um, And obviously, those big banks are both senders of data and receivers of data, or can be, right? That's correct. It's we find is especially as we start, you know, peeling back the onion more and more, that a lot of companies want to be on both sides of data aggregation. They they sit on uh, financial data, even you know fintechs. You know, if you think about a payments platform, peer to peer payments, they have lots of data too, um, a lot of transaction data that clients might want to use somewhere else. So as we keep going through this, we find that people want to be on both sides. You know, both we call them data providers and data recipients. Mm-hmm. Um, going back, you you talked about the evolution sort of OFX, the screen scraping to um, API integration. Um, how how far is the industry along um, to the API game? Like how how much of the industry? I guess the real question is how much of it is still being screen scraped. Yeah. I don't have the specific numbers, but as we've seen in the press, there there are a few um, large banks that have done some bilateral negotiations with data aggregators or large fintechs. So there's a, there's a handful of large banks that have some APIs in place. The vast majority of the institutions, though, just don't have the resource to do that on their own. So screen scraping is still extremely prevalent. The financial data exchange, and I, I think you know Don Cardinal there, mm-hmm. um, the, the financial data exchange was started to bring the industry together to rally around standards for APIs. And that group has made a lot of progress. And, and I, uh, representing Fidelity, I was a founding board member there too. Mm-hmm. That group has made a lot of progress to setting standards around APIs. So. I think there's general agreement what they should be. It's been very slow to have them implemented. Um, The reason it's been slow is, one of the primary reasons is um, agreements. Is every bank or brokerage firm or other kind of financial institution has been negotiating one-off agreements with each data recipient. That is slow and expensive and Mm -hmm and just not standard, um, it, it's not scalable. That's a problem that Akoya was meant to address, was to create stand, standard network operating agreements, standard network operating rules. So everybody who connects to the network plays under the same rules. 
So that's interesting. They would the the bank or the sender. Um, what was it, what was the terminology used for the? Was it sender? We call them data providers. Providers. They would make uh, an agreement. I guess at the network level, at the coil level, and then are there subagreements with each additional recipient there? Now the, the way we've set it up is the data provider will have one agreement with a COIA, the data recipient will have one agreement with a COIA, and the data can pass from one, you know, from one to the other. The, the data providers get to see the due diligence that they might need because of their regulatory oversight responsibilities. So we'll do due diligence on a data recipient and syndicate that to the data providers. So, you know, if a bank, you know, feels that they need to see that because of um, their responsibilities to the, the OCC or their other regulators, they could, they could do a security assessment through us of those underlying data recipients and then use our dashboard to turn on, turn on that recipient. But they only need to have one agreement with a COIA. That's the beauty of it is, yeah. is one, with one agreement. It takes a tremendous amount of work, tremendous amount of resource and tremendous amount of cost out of the system. So from the data provider side, who do you have agreements in place with now? We're working right now, building up the supply of data on the platform. Mm -hmm. So we are negotiating um, a network agreement. We're trying to get to that one network agreement. So it's not ready yet. Mm -hmm. um, we are doing one-off agreements to get going like others in the industry, but we're going, we're we're bringing everybody down a path to a, a common agreement. So we'll have lots of announcements to make as we move into early 2021. Awesome. So and what is the cycle time on an agreement like that? It sounds like those are multi, I mean, I'll let you answer that, but it sounds like there's a lot involved there. Yeah, multi something is, is, is absolutely <laughs> correct. Uh, yeah, you've seen some of them that have been announced um, from, from some of the larger banks who've done one-offs. Some of them are multi-month, some of them even are multi-year. Um, it's incredible how long and drawn out this can be. That's why the, the industry needs a standard. It needs something so everybody can get to a level that they're comfortable. And, and the things in the agreement are, how do you get consent from a consumer? Um, you know, how do you make sure that, you, you know, that folks in the chain are using the data only for the purpose that the consumer has permissioned it. Mm -hmm. What happens if there is a security incident somewhere along the chain? Who's responsible? Mm. Um, what's the liability, right? You know, those sorts of things. And you can imagine there are, you know, varying opinions on that, that we're trying to bring everyone to a point that all parties can get comfortable with. Maybe it won't be perfectly happy, but we'll find acceptable to, to move forward. So in, in our discussion with, with, you know, some of the other data networks, the, the aggregators, um, it seems to me that each one sort of, there's a competition, but there's also like a collaboration, I guess, because there is data sharing between networks. And it seems like each one sort of has a niche that it's found for itself that it is particularly good in. It, is my understanding of that correct? And and if so, like what is Akoya's niche? Yeah, Akoya is a little different than than other data aggregators. And you know, it should start out that Akoya was built to be a network, a, a network in a delivery service. So Akoya um, 
Akoya connects data recipients, the fintech apps, data aggregators with data providers. It goes and picks up, it gets access to the data that the consumer has permission. It's always consumer permission data. Mm-hmm. It provides tools to the FIs so the FIs can help their consumers um, enable account access at the account level. So it doesn't have to be all accounts as credential-based sharing goes. So it provides those tools to do account selection, provides tools to help the consumer monitor who has access to the data. Again, monitor through the FI's own dashboard Mm -hmm. and helps provide tools to the FI so that the consumer can go back to their financial institution and see who has access and even revoke that consent. On the Akoya side, we don't store any data. We operate strictly a pass-through model. Mm-hmm. So there's no data storage. There's no use. There's no resale of data. There's nothing that goes on. We don't even know who the consumer is, right? We, we use anonymous IDs and, and, and tokens. Tokens, yeah. So we, we don't even know who the consumer is. So we deliver the data and then, then we delete it. And our logs show that we picked up data, we deliver data, but our logs don't actually have a copy of the data. So we're very different in that way in that we're not building a data store where we're, we'll never compete with any FinTech app, any payment platform, because we don't know who the consumers are. We don't, we're not tracking their data and we're not building up um, any big warehouse that creates um, you know, a potential issue in the marketplace. Got that. Okay, that makes more sense to me. Thank you for explaining it that way. Um, and what about um, sort of that, the value add on top of the data itself? Like I, I know some of the aggregators, you know, were moving upstream in the sense that they were providing maybe, you know, credit analytics and stuff like that. Is that, is that a place that you want to play or is it really just the connections that, that Akoya is focused on? Yeah. So the, the additional value add services on data is where we think the data aggregators add a lot of value and a place that we think that we cooperate. So Akoya is meant to be the network to bring the data to them when the consumer permissions it. The data aggregators can provide those advanced analytics, um, enhance the data, normalize it, standardize it, all those kind of things that they do. So the recipients get data in a consistent format, if they're getting it from different parties, although the FDX you know, standard should help some of that, but they can get some of that, that advanced, um, you know, advanced data handling. That's where we think we cooperate. You know, we, don't, we do not plan to do that at Acquire. We plan to operate the network that connects all the parties. Interesting. Um, and so in, in that case, um, the the aggregators would also be um, recipients as well on the Akoya yeah, aggregate. Absolutely. Yeah. A data aggregator um, can be a recipient on our, on, on the Akoya data access network. As a matter of fact, we believe since um, data aggregators, you know, have large staffs that are keeping their screen scraping going and doing data acquisition. We believe we actually add a lot of value to a data aggregator and can help reduce their costs greatly. Interesting. Um, can we switch gears, um, I guess, to the recipient side? Um, how, are, how, are, how are you seeing fintechs at this point um, 
use data? Is, is, is demand up? Are they doing more creative things than you've seen previously? Like, what does the demand side for data look like? The demand side, as we've seen over the years, can, you know, for data continues to grow. Um, I think, you know, innovation has been off the charts over the last decade or even two decades really in, in financial services. Um, and even when you think you see an industry that is mature, then we see you know, a new player emerge with a different twist on it. So I see innovation continuing to grow. What I get concerned about is ensuring security, safety and transparency at the same time. So as data flows even more, we need to make sure it's done in a safe, secure and transparent way. When we, you know, at our old firm, when we surveyed consumers why they didn't use FinTech apps, why they did not use FinTech apps, what we found was the number one reason they didn't use apps was because they had to share their ID and password for their financial accounts. Um, you know, some people will do that, um, but many will not because they view that as very, um, you know, a security hazard. Uh, you know, a lot of financial firms in one breath tell people, don't ever share your ID and password. And then another breath, it's like, well, if you want to use this app, you have to share your ID and password, right? It's a little, you know, that doesn't make any sense. So to really accelerate innovation, we have to improve on data access. And that's what Akoya is, is set up to do. Um, I guess in the federated, you're really describing like a federated um, around standards on on your network. You get the you get the aggregators, you know, collaborating as well. What are the risks, I guess, in defection? Like what 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 would, I guess, what stands in the way of this happening long term? The the hesitation for adoption is one of the strongest forces that we fight is inertia, is the status quo. Screen scraping, while it's not secure, um, while it exposes consumers' IDs and passwords, and it makes everybody uncomfortable, it has, for the last two decades, gotten the job done. Mm -hmm. As we move to API-based connections, it's expensive. It's costly for firms to build out APIs. It's costly for firms to negotiate agreements. There, there are contracts that firms would like data recipients to sign where they didn't necessarily sign those before. So it's a hand-to-hand -hand combat, you know, in that it's a one-on-one -on -one negotiation. That's why we developed the COIL, which is to try to accelerate that by creating standards in the marketplace, by creating single agreements um, to, to accelerate that and take a lot of the cost and effort, effort out. The financial system will be more sound when we can get credentials out of the marketplace. Credential-based attacks are now the number one types of attacks on financial institutions. A couple of years ago, it was DDoS attacks, but now credential stuffing and other password-related attacks have, have gone to the number one spot. Removing credentials from this important data access you know, um, scheme is critically important for the future success of FinTech. 
it, it has to happen. And the sooner it happens, the better it'll be for all players in the ecosystem. Got that. And I guess looking forward to 2021, what, uh, what do you have like top of mind? Like what are your priorities leading the company forward? Uh, as we embark on this chapter of Akoya, 2021 will be about data supply. It'll be about getting FIs connected to the platform. We expect by the middle of the year to have more than half of the deposit accounts in the country connected around half of the credit card accounts um, in the country connected to the platform. Then we can focus on the demand side. We can start to focus more on data aggregators and other data recipients, you know, large fintechs to connect to the platform and start to have that data flow that way. So create the supply and create the demand and then get that flywheel spinning. Awesome. Great. Stuart, thank you so much for joining us on the Tearsheet Podcast. Zach, thanks so much for having me.